Improve it, peeps. Welcome back to the self-healing series. I have got such an amazing guest for you today. Now, today's interview with Michael Galinsky, who I'll tell you about in just a minute, was so phenomenal that I decided to make this into two episodes. So today you're going to hear part one. Please come back next week for part two. Let me tell you all about today's guest because Michael Galinsky was an instrumental part on my self-healing journey. And I will tell you all about him and his incredible work here in just a moment. But Michael himself is a filmmaker. He's a photographer and a musician. And along with his wife, Suki, he's produced six award-winning feature films and dozens of shorts. His latest book of photos is called Malls Across America. And Michael is a contributing editor for International Documentary Magazine, writing articles about filmmaking and distribution. He was raised in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is near me here in Charleston. And he graduated Phi Beta Kappa in Religious Studies from New York University. He previously played the bass for Sleepyhead, which is so cool. Now, why is Michael a part of this self-healing series? Well, he is the filmmaker behind the amazing film, All the Rage, which you can find on iTunes and Amazon Prime. As you've heard going through the series, there were many books that helped on my own personal self-healing journey. And one of those was Healing Back Pain, The Mind-Body Connection by Dr. John E. Sarno. Now, he, Michael, is the head and co-creator, co-director of Rumor, which is an award-winning independent film studio. And Rumor collaborates with high-profile clients like HBO, A&E, ESPN, MSNBC, DirecTV, PBS. And he does all this to create critically acclaimed documentary films. Now, their work has been shortlisted for the Academy Awards and screened at the top of film festivals around the world. And again, This series is made in part on my own personal journey. So no, I am taking you through my own healing and hopes that this can help you. But as I mentioned, Michael was a student and a patient of Dr. Charno, the book that I'm talking about, Healing Back Pain, The Mind-Body Connection. And it is the book that helped me realize that my mind has the power to heal my body. And now here is this mantra that keeps coming up for me, heal your mind, heal your body, and then you can help others heal. Heal your mind, heal your body, and you can help others heal. So this book was instrumental in the life of Michael and the life of Michael's father, which you'll hear about at the beginning of this episode. And so Michael took his own healing journey and the healing journey he knew of many others to create the film All the Rage. Now, just to set you up, according to the Institute of Medicine, over 100 million Americans suffer from chronic pain And the current cost of treating chronic pain has skyrocketed to close to a trillion dollars a year. And this number dwarfs the cost of cancer, heart disease, and diabetes combined. So what if I told you today that you had the power to heal your own pain? That you didn't have to spend the hard-earned money that you make working on chiropractors and physical therapy. 
So enter this book and enter Dr. John Sarno. Now, again, Dr. Sarno is the author of the book that I read, Healing Back Pain, but he changed shock jock Howard Stern's life. He changed uh, veteran Senator Tom Harkins. And he, Tom Harkins, was inspired to campaign for his cause. And Sarno gave comedian Larry David the closest thing to a religious experience that he's ever had. So this best-selling book, Healing Back Pain, was first published in the 1980s. And when our guest, Michael Galinsky's father, read it, it was his cure for chronic whiplash. The book, which talks about connecting pain with emotions rather than structural causes, put Sarno at blunt odds with a medical system which shunned his unorthodox approach. Now, many years later, when Michael, who you'll hear from in just a minute, was immobilized by excruciating back pain, he met with Dr. Sarno and was put on the mend. Thus began a 12-year odyssey to chronicle his personal journey of healing with the story of Dr. Sarno and his work. Now, this artful and personal film, All the Rage, braids Michael's universal story of pain and emotion together with the story of Dr. Sarno's work, connecting the audience to both the issues and the emotions at play. You'll see interviews in this film from Howard Stern to Larry David to Dr. Andrew Wheel, Senators Bernie Sanders, and Tom Harkin. And All the Rage is a film that offers a profound rethink of healthcare. Now, telling you all of this to set you up because unfortunately, Dr. Sarno passed away at the age of 94. And Michael and many of his patients continue on the legacy with this insightful film. And I am thrilled to share with you part one of this story today. You'll hear about the film, you'll hear about Sarno's work, and you'll hear why Michael was so moved to create this film and how it can help you in part one of the self-healing series all about the mind-body connection with Michael Galinsky. Let's get to improving it. Are you a leader searching for new and innovative ways to drive employee engagement and team morale through the roof? Do you want to create a company culture where everyone feels seen, heard, and valued? Hi, I'm Erin Deal, business improv edutainer, fluencer, and professional Zumbie who is ready to help you improve your it. Your it being the thing that makes you, you. Think of me as your keeping it real professional development bestie who is here to help you learn from your failures, stand tall in your power, and improve yourself so you can improve the lives of others. Oh, and did I mention that we are improving your it through play? That's right. I am an improvisational comedy expert who uses experiential learning to help you have your aha, ha moments. Those are the moments when the light bulb goes off and you're laughing at the same time. So grab your chicken hat, your notebook, and your inner child because I'm going to take you on a journey that is both fun and transformative. Welcome to the Improve It Podcast. Thrilled, thrilled to have you on the show. We already we were already chatted up. We were just rolling. We were going. And 
I need, I, we have to repeat this because I'm just truly honored to have you here. Let's do this before we start. Let's set an intention. What's something you want to give our audience today? What's one word you want to give them prove it peeps? Healing. Yeah. yeah. Self-healing. And, and actually I would say this, there's this really uncomfortable term called trauma awareness. And the, this whole movie um, I'm, I'm really launching right in to, to center what this is, but Dr. Sarno was completely ignored by the system of medicine during his entire career and, and really reviled in many ways because he was going against the understanding of truth and what the expectation of medicine was. And what had become, even in the time that he started practicing medicine, was a very biotechnical approach. And so, in that case, the biotechnical approach, it was all about biology and like figuring out the science. And all of that is like, if you imagine that if you're a mechanic on cars and all you focus on is the mechanical engine systems and you say, well, we don't really understand this whole fluid system. And I know it's involved, but we're going to leave that to the fluidologist. And we, when we work on cars, we're just focusing on the mechanical systems. That car's going to break down. It's going to fall apart and nobody's going to understand it. And so if you do all of your science, your, your science of medicine is all based on the randomized control trial and the randomized control trial decides that emotions are really messy and everybody's emotions are different. So that's too messy to get data from. So if we include the emotions, the data we get will be meaningless for our goal. But if we ignore them, medicine falls apart. And Dr. Sarno came of age in an era when Freud was still understood to have some relevance. But as he practiced, it all became randomized control trials and this biotechnical approach. And he was further and further pushed to the side. So anything that had to do with the emotions was shunted off to the psychologist. Anything that was had to do with the emotions that we thought maybe we can throw a pill at it was went to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist and the psychologist went in different realms. So the psychiatrist is now medicine and the psychologist is woo. Yes. You know, and so not really seen. But so what Dr. Sarno then came back around in the 70s and realized that's messed up. And in fact, what's the cause of all of this pain that we're having? Trauma from childhood. Yes. Essentially, he was trauma informed before that was a concept. And now it's a buzzword, right? But no one's making that reconnection back to Dr. Sarna that, oh man, he was right. Like Semmelweis who discovered germ theory, but didn't know how to completely illuminate exactly what was going on, ended up in an insane asylum and didn't get credit for his work, right? Pasteur was given credit for, uh, you know, coming up with the idea of germs, but it was really Semmelweis who wrote about it, understood hand washing was important, didn't understand why, but he knew it was important. And, and they put him in an insane asylum because they said he was crazy. Right? And that's what happened to Dr. Sark. I And that is insane. Welcome to the 2020 pandemic, okay? We need a, that was a huge, we need his name in lights, okay? From all the hand washing we had to do. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for that overview because I was even, I'm so glad you launched right into that. That was so frustrating for me to watch just as a person who, empathized with your story that was that was really frustrating and i have actually a ton of friends in the medical field and family and i was like if you don't read this book if you don't watch this film 
we can't have a conversation at the dinner table anymore because I need you to understand this importance. And I mentioned this to you, but this is what this whole series is about. The self-healing series that I went on, the best doctor I ever had in the world was this chiropractor I just went to for all my own back pain. First question was, what's going on with your mental health? That should be the first question any doctor asks. Any doctor, any doctor. Yes. So then it led me to, it just led me to you through all of this. This, this led us here and all the rage was, I mean, I literally launched like my phone at my iPad while I was watching it. I threw things across the room. I had feelings. I had emotions. I was sobbing. I have fake eyelashes. 800 of them fell off. I was just so moved. And so I want to know for you, why was it so important to recognize his work and make this film now? Or when you made it, I know it wasn't like very recent, but why was it so important to share this story now? Well, I'll say this, that the whole experience has been wildly surreal and illuminating. Even in the sense that, so when, um, when I was a kid, my father, uh, when I was in, it's in the movie, but when I was in second grade, I think I woke up one morning and my dad was literally dying of a bleeding ulcer in, you know, the dining room, which is, you know, it was just like, cause he had had a little too much to drink the night before. And my mom was mad at him and made him sleep on the couch because he was sick, but he was really sick because he was bleeding out, you know? And so there he is. And it's a very uh, uncomfortable, um, vision, but bloody underwear, like moaning, standing up. And my mom's like, you guys go get the bus. Uh, I've called an ambulance for your dad, <laughs> which is also completely insane. <laughs> like yeah. like, and so they, we had to go up the street to get to the school bus. She, she said, you know, get yourself breakfast. We're in second grade. And um, so we're going up the hill and I see this ambulance and it's pulling into the wrong house. And I have to tell it, no, the house is down the hill. Anyway, my dad got over that ulcer. But uh, three weeks later, we had a small like a fender bender. And then he got incredible whiplash for years. And I, he'd come home from work and have a whiskey and sit in traction and, you know, always be having back pain and neck pain. And finally, someone in this is like now, six or seven years later, someone gives him Dr. Sarno's book when it finally comes out, the first one, like the mind body prescription in probably 81, 82. Two weeks later, he's all better. And my dad is the cheapest person you ever met. You know, talk about trauma. He grew up very poor and never was able to overcome that. Even you know, he became a college professor and had plenty of resources. You know, we were never allowed to get a soda at a restaurant. You know, why are you going to spend a dollar for something that costs them 10 cents? There's no way I'm going to let them rip me off like that. You know, it wasn't the sugar. It was the cost. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But he bought a case of the books and gave them to anybody he saw. Like, that's, like that would cross that generosity threshold because he understood how important it was. As a psychologist, it made absolute sense to him. And, and he was always someone who was really, really upset by injustice. Um, and so he just was always wanting to help people. Um, and so he would, he would do that. So I, that was the early eighties. And then, you know, flash forward 10 years later. Um, so we knew about Sarno, but it didn't really make sense. Then my brother had to almost drop out of graduate school because he couldn't use his hands. I mean, they were just, they were just locked, frozen shut with RSI. He was told, he was told by a surgeon he had to have, collarbone carved away to free the nerves in his neck by literally the top RSA guy in the country. And my dad was like, listen, I will not talk to you again if you don't go see Dr. Sarno. But, you know, my brother was in graduate school um, 
for psychology as well, but it was very science, it becoming more science oriented, data oriented. And he was like, I just, there's no data. I don't believe it. I don't. So he finally went to see him. And three weeks later, he took his car back from me because it was all better. Wow. And at that point, I read the book and it made sense to me. And I banished my like recurrent, like once or twice a year, my back would go out and stuck in bed for three days. And then I understood it. I understood that there was something I wasn't dealing with. And I was able to banish myself from my own back pain for 10 years until I had a house, a very stressful career, a kid slammed to the floor. And as it was happening, I'm rereading the book. And, and you know, this gets into issues of like self-worth or self-trust or I, I was like, I couldn't, somehow it didn't even conceptualize that I could actually, I lived in New York, that I could call him and go see him in the office. I, mean, yeah. I didn't have any insurance or anything. And so when I was finally stuck on the floor and, and, you know, I'd even gone to get an MRI at great expense and they were like, you have these crazy herniations. I finally went to see him and it wasn't miraculous, but it put me on the path and I slowly began to heal. And that's when I said to him, Hey, can we make a movie about you? And he was like, yeah, let's do this. Cause he'd seen the previous movie we made that had stressed me out so much and he liked it. Um, and then we couldn't figure out how to do it because couldn't get any grants. He was such a pariah. I couldn't get anyone to go see him because it wasn't cheap. And I, and I, and he wouldn't actually introduce us to any patients because he thought that was unethical. So I didn't, I just, there was no way to make it. And then I was like, Oh, we'll make it when he puts out his book, the divided mind. We'll follow that process. So I checked back in with him. And he goes, Oh, Oh, that came out four months ago. Right? Like they didn't do any press. He didn't tell us like, so we were just stuck and it, it looked, took six years and we made another movie that almost the, the one that kind of had crushed me at the beginning of the process. When we finished it, it crushed me again. And that's when I was like, I have to really go on this healing journey. I can't just do it halfway. And I have to be in this movie because that's the only way to make it. And what was interesting was in that time frame, those six years, the world had already begun to change. Yeah. Like also Vander Kolk's book had come out. Gabor Mate's book, um, the body says no had come out. We just talked about that on this show. Yep. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this awareness is rising. So it's not going to be a biopic about Dr. Sarno. And while he's going to be the hero, he can't be the only hero because hero also has to be human and be willing. And this is no, this is not an insult to Dr. Sarno or saying he wasn't willing. I'm just saying that didn't make it possible to tell the story that was going to invest people emotionally. And that if there was no emotional content in it, it wasn't going to heal you. So like even in healing back pain, Dr. Sarno's stories aren't the things that heal you. What heals you is everybody else's story. And even still, right, some people can pro like this goes back to neurodivergence issues, right? Some people can read a book, process the information and have an emotional experience. Some people can read it, but they're reading it so much from a technical viewpoint or through that lens, they can't. And so they need to see it visually. Yeah. Right? They need to, and they need to be able to connect with a different kind of story that uses more tools of sound and connecting and thinking about how are you going to make ha people have this emotional journey, right? And that is not exactly how that book is laid out. So some people need the movie. Some people don't need the movie. Some people get angry at the movie because it doesn't make sense to them or it feels wrong. And, and part of it is, is how are people going to process information and when are you ready to hear that information. And we were individuals, but we are also social creatures. So you look at something like Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. It really has relevance because 
we are connected way more than we understand. Just like ants, we don't really think of ourselves like ants. We are community organisms that create shapes and communities. That doesn't mean that we're all following the same leadership sensibilities and we have hierarchies in ways that ants don't, but we all still understand something in the collective much more. And so when you understand something that the collective doesn't understand, it can be very frustrating. Yes. It can be traumatizing, right? Yes. Okay. I want to stay on that topic. Hey, Improve It Peep. I wanted to interrupt your learning really quick to thank you for turning into this show. Now, each week, myself and the entire Improve It team are working tirelessly to give you the content you deserve to help you use play to become your best self personally and professionally. Now, if you wanted to return the thank you, that's okay. You don't have to, but if you did, would you leave us a five-star review on iTunes? It takes two minutes to leave five stars and maybe a comment or two on how this show has impacted you. Just scroll to the bottom of this show on iTunes and you'll see the opportunity to leave five stars. Now, once you do that, please send a screenshot, take a screenshot from your phone and email it to info at learn to improve it.com. That is info at learn to improve it.com. This way we know it's from you. We will be drawing one name per month to send an improve it podcast care package to this care package is the base knees. It will include branded goodies from the show some of our favorite books and products from previous guests and a few more surprises. So thank you for the opportunity to tell you thank you. And if you want to thank me by leaving a review, then I will say thank you by potentially sending you a care package that shows our full appreciation. So thank you for thanking me. And we thank you will really like the goodies in the care package. Okay, back to improving it. Thanks. Okay, several thoughts just from what you just said. So I teach improv, right? I'm an experiential learner. I'm an experiential teacher. I That is why this film on top of, re- first I read the book, then I watched the film. And that is when it all sunk in for me. The storytelling, the visuals, like I'll never forget you lying on the floor. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know it was painful, but it was so, it was such an experience. And I was like, that was me. That is literally me. And then the emotions pouring out of you, that was me. And so I saw the film at the exact right time in my life where I needed it to help me process this book and to heal. So that was in itself exactly what you just said. That was my journey, that I am that experiential learner. And some people could just read the book and and that was be good for them. But the I love that you what we call an improv, yes, and did this book and this in Cerno's work with the visual experience of it. Then I want to talk to you about the second piece is like when you're a part of this community, right? You're part, you're we're all the ants, and some of the ants know some of the things that some of the other ants don't. Why? I'm sure there was reluctance from your, and maybe not, but I feel like the medical profession dismisses psychosomatic pain. It has traditionally done that, yes. Yes. But I think this is where I'm getting at is that okay. we are getting to that tipping point. The awareness is rising. And it, I mean, part of, part of why are doctors like that too? Because 
the patients, it wasn't, it wasn't, you can't just blame the medical community. The patient demands, I want you to heal me because yes. they're not willing. Cause I, if you even look at this kind of the story that we're telling, right? You have Freud, then you have World War One, then you have World War Two, and then you have the rise of science. The, those three factors together, the amount of collective trauma that wasn't, that had no space to be dealt with, right? Mm. People came home with shell shock. No one talked about it. No one gave them any space to heal. That wasn't acceptable. You're supposed to be a strong man and you're supposed to do better than your parents did. So we have these, these kind of trends that are going on, right? Like in America, what's the, what's the story after World War II? We're all going to do better than our parents did, right? And economically, there was this great engine of economy that made that possible. You run into the 70s and you have the hippie response and every, it, all, all the turmoil that we, it mirrors what we're dealing with right now, this turmoil of change. Wait, you guys have demanded all this repression. We're not having it. And you know what? We're not mature enough and we don't have enough wisdom yet to properly process that. So, you know what? Instead of saying, wow, it seems like this repression wasn't very useful, we're like, I can't believe you repressed us, right? And this is a really important point because it takes some time to get the wisdom to recognize what you were saying is like, you just want people to know this. You can't push over that midline into people's space and say, I have this thing that they're already really resistant to. This will heal you goes right back across that line and punches you in the face. And that's what I was, I was just, when we started talking, I told you a guy recognized me from the film in a coffee shop just now. And he's like, I, I give it to everybody. And like, people just don't want to hear it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's really about the energy that you do it. You have to do it with the energy of non-expectation and absolute acceptance. Hey, um, you know what? I noticed that you have this back pain. You're talking about the doctor. This book really helped me or this movie really helped me. It, it might be of interest. Don't leave it. Yeah. It's just a gift. Yep. And if it's a gift with expectation, it's no longer a gift, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's actually a weight that you're you're tossing at somebody. And they don't want it. So they they throw the hot potato back at you. And this is this is what it comes down to is you know, we talk about energy as being woo from a scientific perspective because we can't measure it, we can't see it, we can't smell it, we can't taste it. But we cannot deny that it affects us. Totally. But since we don't know how to handle it, we're just angry about it. Now, yep. once you're aware of it, awareness connotes responsibility. Mm -hmm. Once you know something, you now hold that responsibility, right? So once you know that if you're angry at somebody, that's about you, mm. it sucks. Yeah, because now you know it's all on you. And yeah. it gets really bad if you're in a relationship and you come to realize this. And, and part of the problem in your relationship might be that you end up taking on too much responsibility. And so then you get angry and then you guys are fighting. You go, oh, I noticed this. And then the person won't be responsible. It's really hard to keep moving. But so sometimes relationships fall apart. If you learn, oh, this person makes me angry and they won't actually adjust to that. I, I don't know how to have this relationship anymore. Yeah. So some things fall away, you know, because you're like, actually, I love you and I care about you. But your 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 behavior, if you can't listen to how your behavior is affecting me, I'm not saying you're responsible for how it's affecting but we have to kind of come to some midpoint. Because inadvertently, you're pushing across that line. You're you're throwing an expectation onto me 
which I could handle if you could listen to the fact that that's actually a weight and we have to kind of negotiate how to deal with that. And, yes. and the reason I'm bringing this all up is because these different themes that I was talking about. So I'm going to go back a little bit. I said, you had World War II and all of that trauma. And then we're going to bury the hell out of that trauma. And we're, and we're going to do it in so many different ways. We're going to focus on economy and money and success and growing. And we are going to say the emotions are going to stay in that closet because they're messy and we don't want to deal with them. But then they fall out of the closet and the adults don't have room to accept their children's emotions or their adult children's emotions, right? And so you have all this division. And at the same time, the economy's crashing. So all of those children can't rise up. They can't do better than their parents and they have to rely on them or they live in poverty or there's a lot of disturbance. And now we're moving into a place where we're all as a collective recognizing that it's okay to say, hey, you know, I had this traumatic experience. And the problem is we also have these narratives in our head, right? For us, a traumatic experience means that you went to war and you saw people die. That's a type of traumatic experience that could give you, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. But so can not being listened to as a child. Yeah. Yeah. It's equally and profoundly as important. And if we devalue that and we diminish it because we don't want to deal with that, we think it's silly, we've been taught it's silly. It's also because we don't want to dive into it. It doesn't, so it's like recognizing the trauma doesn't mean that you have to fall into it. It means like, oh, that's really affecting me. And how can I address that? And like you said, improv is a way. Like yeah. telling that story, illuminating that story through journaling. It doesn't mean that you're making other people responsible. That's the next step. It's like, oh God, it made, my parents were so awful. It made me so mad. And then the next step is go, oh my God, that must've been so hard for them. Mm-hmm. You stop seeing your parents as someone who were supposed to be perfect and you give them some some room to be imperfect. And then guess what? Oh, I'm in you. Yeah. I'm imperfect too. And I may be imperfect partly because they fucked me up. Right. Yeah. But now that I know that blaming them has no value whatsoever. And in fact, just drives us apart. And once we open up and go, Oh, wow, you were like that because you were incredibly anxious and you're still really incredibly anxious. And that's hard for me. But if I can, give you this space to not resist that all of a sudden your anxiety, that anxiety drops because now that relationship is less fraught. Yeah. Right? So it's all these complex dances of emotion, but even on the bigger societal level, this is what I'm saying is like when we started to make this movie, it was almost impossible to make this movie. By the time we started it, it became more possible. But when we released it, there was so much resistance that we literally hired the four best um, publicists in documentary, literally the four best ones. And none of them could get anybody to write about it. And what gets more interesting is three of those people had a direct experience with Dr. Sarno. Wow. And one was healed by it. The two were, one was healed by reading the book. One was healed by going to see him. And the other had a husband who's um, had, you know, struggled, had gone to see him as a kid, but still was struggling with all the stuff. And they could not figure out a way to communicate to people to get anyone to write about it. And, and here you're talking about a guy who sold millions of books. Yeah. No one would write about it. It was unreal. Because they don't want to, the backlash that comes with it from the science field? Or what would you say the reason behind that is? They're just not even conscious of it. For them, it's it's so easily dismissible. They don't really know what to do with it. It's just, it's easier to reject it than it is to deal with it. Yes. 
All right, Improve It Peeps, that concludes part one of this Mind Body Connection episode with Michael Galinsky, the documentarian of All the Rage. Come back next week for part two. If you haven't yet, check out the link to the film in the show notes as well as the link to the book, Healing Back Pain. That is your homework for today. I can't wait to meet you back here for part two of this episode. We'll see you then. Hey friend, did you enjoy today's show? If so, head on over to iTunes to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, did I mention that when you leave a five-star review of the Improve It podcast, an actual team of humans does a happy dance? Mm-hmm, that's right. So leave a review for us on iTunes, screenshot it, and send me an email at info at learntoimproveit.com. I'll send you a personalized video back as a thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Improve It, peeps. I'll see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.